Hi, Jim. Hey, Ralph. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. Okay. Well, we did find our music for the second week in a row. Hey, that's truly good. <laughs> and speaking of the second week in a row, this is uh, uh, the fourth in our series of uh, podcasts on uh, positive psychology. It is. I'm positive about that. <laughs> we'll probably have um, uh, one more next week, and then we'll be moving on, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll forecast next week where, where we're uh, heading, okay? Okay, that'll be good. Now, we were talking as we were uh, driving over to our uh, lavish studio here today that um, uh, you still had some wit and wisdom, or wisdom at least, uh, from the uh, Stoics of old. I do. And, you know, I said last week that we were going to talk about grit today. Aha, uh -huh, yes. And so, I made a joke about true grit and about a movie or something like yes, that. Yes, yes. Okay. But so, we, we do know that grit is CCRPP, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, the Stoics, 2,000 years ago, had to say some things that I think apply to... Angela Duckworth's uh, concept of grit as it applies to positive psychology. Okay, we'll, now, ta we'll that, talk about that in a little bit. Okay, so Duckworth is a um, colleague of, uh, of Seligman okay. and uh, the others at the uh, the Positive Psychology Center in the University of Pennsylvania. Okay, so Duckworth, and she's written a book called Grit. And Logically will, enough. Yeah, and we will put a link up to the book so that uh, if anyone is interested in purchasing it, they can uh, uh, get it from Amazon and, uh, hey, uh, put a few pennies into our coffers, too. Oh, hopefully, yes, <laughs> if they go through our, our link. Yeah, okay. And uh, also with Duckworth, she had a short TED Talk, right? Yes, about a six-minute TED Talk. And we'll put the link up to that one as well. That'll be good. Okay, now let's uh, stop beating around the bush and get, get right to the Stoics here, right? Okay, just to uh, go on with true grit, um, the Stoics in the past said, define what success means to you. Not everybody has the same definition of success. Hmm. For somebody, success might be uh, having a million dollars by the time they're 30. Okay, and other people, success might be having their um, name up on uh, the employee of the month. Uh, yeah, uh, or being a sports su superstar, or being named teacher of the year if you're a professor, uh, that sort of thing. Okay, so yeah, I can see it could be different for different uh, people. How about, you know, success? Uh, how about having a, a happy life? Well, uh, um, Generally speaking, success is one part of a happy life because success is achievement, which is part of PERMA, which is a, a way of uh, talking about having a happy life. Okay. But I think there's more to it that you're going to unpack, right? Yeah, there okay. is. So seek out challenges is another thing that the Stoics said. Okay. Um, and it's kind of interesting. You use the word challenges. A lot of people would use the word uh, problems when they're confronted by uh, something that's uh, kind of 
insurmountable, it seems. Yeah, but, well, uh, there, there's a, a modern Stoic who has written a book called The Obstacle is the Way. Oh, yeah, who's that, Ferris? Ferris, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, that's a book that uh, uh, Sheila, your wife, uh, recommended to me, and, and I found it was an interesting read. Okay, we should put that one up too. So yeah. I now have three things that I have to remember. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm going to write a note. <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly enough, Jim, memory research has shown that you can remember on average seven things plus or minus two. Yes. So if you go to the grocery store with a list of nine things, uh, you may or may not remember everything. If you go to the grocery store with a list of 11 things... You're going to miss some. You're going to miss some. Yeah. It's kind of like we were talking earlier. Um, and I think we mentioned it last week. There's that serial position effect, too, that you remember the first items and the last items, but you forget the items in the middle. And so when I was thinking about grit, I could remember CC, and I could remember PP, but I, for the life of me, I couldn't come up with the one in the middle, which right. just happens to be R for resilience, right? Yeah. As you pointed out. So here is um, the thing about uh, the Stoics, going back for a minute, don't be afraid to ask for help. Okay, don't be afraid to ask for help. A lot of people would think that asking for help might be a kind of a sign of weakness. Yes, and it's not. All right. Uh, it's a sign that you have something uh, uh, that right at the moment you cannot master. Mm -hmm. But if you go to somebody who knows more than you do, the chances are very good that they can show you more effectively how you can master it. Okay, okay, so don't be afraid to ask for help. Good, uh, good suggestions, or good suggestion. Find one thing that makes you wiser every day. Find one thing that makes you wiser every day. Probably it's not tuning into your social media network, right? Probably not. <laughs> okay. And the thing is that uh, there's a difference between being smarter or more knowledgeable and being wiser. Okay. And so, you know, you can, you can turn into social media, you can learn trivia, you can turn into NPR, you can get knowledge, but neither of those necessarily makes you wiser. Okay, so... Wiser is applied knowledge. Mm-hmm. So if you want to become wiser, maybe you should tune into uh, uh, the works of uh, Aristotle in the morning. That would be good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and the last one for today from the Stoics is make a little progress each day. Mm. Okay. Make a little progress each day. You know... A lot of people talk about, well, make you know two steps forward and one step back. But, you know, if you do that, you're still making progress, right? Right. You yeah. are making one step a day. Mm -hmm. You know, you go two steps, you have to take one back. Uh, you're still making progress. And the thing is that grit, um, the definition of grit that Duckworth 
uses, I'm going to paraphrase her words, but she said, a ferocious concentration on progress. Okay, a ferocious concentration on progress, making progress. Yes. Okay. So that's part of it. But the thing is, that's not all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the word ferocious because when I think about grit, I think about the characteristics of a high grit person, and they are ferocious. You know, courage is one of them, conscientiousness is one of them, resilience is one of them, uh, passion is one of them, uh, perseverance is another one. You know, you put those together and you got somebody who's pretty ferocious. Yes, and the thing is that Duckworth also says that Ferocious concentration on the end goal is is great, but to really be consistent, to be persistent, you need passion. It's not enough just to set up a goal that you don't really give a damn about and then say, I'm going to pursue this relentlessly. Mm -hmm. You need passion to get you where you need to be mm-hmm. yeah. because you will not continue to be conscientious and working towards your goal if your goal doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah, a good good point. You know, I can think of a lot of people who start PhD programs and uh, get through all the coursework, but they never get their uh, doctorate because of the one little uh, uh, bump in the road at the end called a dissertation. Yeah, and, you know, how many people do you and I know who, when they describe themselves, they end up saying, well, I'm ABD, mm. all but dissertation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, th- I, I don't think it's because the ABD people have nothing to say about the subject that they have been working with. I think it's that they have a lot of fear of writing. Uh, it could be a fear of writing, yeah, but it could be that they just haven't found the thing that they're really passionate about. Yeah. You know, a friend of mine once said of me, <laughs> Jim Carroll can get his doctorate, anybody can get his doctorate. You know, uh, Unfortunately, this friend never got his doctorate. He was <laughs> ABD. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, in my case, when I found my dissertation topic, which was in short-term visual memory, uh, I, I loved it. You know, I, from the day I got my idea to the day I defended my dissertation was exactly 365 days. So one year. One year. And that was one year of just plain focus. And, and um, uh, well, I suppose there were some things, you know, that happened in there that were fun. I don't remember them. But just focusing on short-term visual memory and psychological testing of five- and six-year-old kids. I loved it. Uh, was it um, was it interesting? It was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, and did I was, you have fun doing it? Yeah, and I was uh, uh, working, doing research in an area that had never been researched before. So okay. it was it was very much fun. So you found an area that was not explored, and you were the guy in there with the pith helmet and the flashlight, uh, leading, if you will, the charge. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure that now there's 
lots of research on short-term visual memory in children, uh, or a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could could well be. But uh, yeah, for that year, you know, I knew more about short-term visual memory in five and six-year-old children than you know anybody in the planet. Right. At least for one day, I did. <laughs> <laughs> the day I defended my dissertation, but I just use that as. Uh, um, uh, an example that, uh, from what you said, Ralph, you have to get, you know, you have to get ferociously passionate about what you, yes. what you are So ferociously to... focused and ferociously passionate. Mm -hmm. okay. those, those two things are what are the substantially the components of grit. Okay. Yeah. Now, there's, there's another thing that we can go into, and that is the idea of a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Okay, fixed, that to me connotes that you um, kind of already know what you're going to be doing and you're working toward that, and if something new comes along, you might even miss it, right? You might. In this case, it's more a question of are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? Oh, okay. So um, what, what is the fixed? Is that the, the pessimist? The fixed is the pessimist. Okay. So suppose you had been doing your uh, dissertation and you got halfway through it and you ran into a chapter that you were having just extreme difficulty with. Okay. If your thought pattern was, Jim, you're such a dummy, you just can't get this. That's a fixed mindset. I would never talk to myself like that, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you wouldn't, but there are lots of people who do. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand. And the opposite is a growth mindset. I'm Which going is, to tackle this problem and I'm going to solve it because I know that I can. I'm, I know that I can. Mm -hmm. And what I have not found yet is the way to solve it. Mm -hmm. There are going to be several ways to solve it, but I haven't found any of them yet, but I will. Okay, yeah. And that is where the laser-like focus on persistence comes in. You are not going to give up your goal until you have totally and fully explored every possible solution until you find one that works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good, uh, good point. And, and part of that is optimistic self-talk. Mm -hmm. So when you talk to yourself, if you say, I'm a dummy, this problem is going to elude me forever, I'll never get it. Uh-huh. Chance, you know, Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> okay, or or Edison said uh, of his uh, uh, light bulb experiments, uh, you know, I found what 10,000 things that don't work so that far. That don't work yeah. so far. So, grit and perseverance over adversity, which really involves. Um, believing that you can overcome the adversity. Okay. So that goes back to that uh, movie that I mentioned last week, and maybe mentioned at the beginning of this, True Grit, uh, 
I don't remember the plot very much. I think we've got a gunslinger, Lee Marvin is there, and we have somebody who has hired him to run off um, outlaws or something like that. Um, actually, um, that was John Wayne. Oh, yeah? John, John Wayne. Okay. So who am I thinking of? Maybe Cat Ballou, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So John Wayne. It, it, and it, there's uh, the there's the a young, poster boy for True Grit, right? Yeah, and okay. a young woman who's supposedly 15, who is an orphan, but who has title to some property, which has been taken over by ruffians. And so she needs somebody to help her. Uh-huh. Okay, asking for help. Asking for help. Yeah. And she comes to John Wayne, and she, who, whose name in the film is Rooster Cogburn. Oh, yes. Okay. And she says, Rooster Cogburn, you are a man of despicable habits, but my understanding is that you have true grit. Okay. And you will not back away from adversity. All right. So, so there's John Wayne uh, waking up with a glorious Technicolor hangover and being confronted with this little slip of a girl who tells him that he has disgusting habits, but he has true grit. <laughs> okay. And I, my recollection is that Within the context of that movie, we do see the uh, the resolution of this problem and the grit that John Wayne has uh, has Indeed. manifested. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to see if I can find a link to the uh, to the movie True Grit. Somebody must have put it on YouTube. So I don't know if it's on YouTube, but it's certainly around. Yeah. And and it's, um, you know, many of our uh, listeners may have seen that movie, uh, perhaps while they were younger. Uh, some of the younger people may never have seen it. And in as much as, uh, as a cowboy movie is really uh, Ralph. Uh, myth-making. Ralph, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> Cowperson movie, please. Cowperson, sorry. Okay. Uh, is it, it's myth-making. It's the the American myth. Okay, good. Uh, good and point. so you know you can look at it and say, well, yeah, it's a it's a silly cow person movie, but you can also uh, say, uh, you know, it's it's part of the stuff that makes America what it is. Okay, so the 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 old west. So we'll see if we can find it and, and put it up. And speaking of old west, um, I'm gonna. Give our listeners uh, a bit of, well, it's not poetry, but it almost reads like poetry from another uh, great American Western hero and uh, past president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt. Okay. And Teddy Roosevelt said something that uh, students of grit like to perhaps use as as a metaphor for grit. I'm all ears. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, 
whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, who and at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Wow. As you were reading that, Ralph, I was thinking of the movie Rocky. Yeah. You know, there's there's Rocky who uh, had nothing going for him, you know, in the beginning part of the movie, but... Uh, uh, or in his life, for that matter, it seems. And yet, uh, he kept going and kept going. There's another uh, uh, poem, I think it's by Auden, uh, called The Man, It Couldn't Be Done. And that's the name of the poem. And the uh, uh, punchline is uh, that he rolled up his sleeves and the thing that couldn't be done, you know, he did it. He did it, yeah. yeah. So, so, again, that's perseverance. And, you know, Wide World of Sports used to start off on CBS with uh, the uh, thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, you know, yeah. and uh, both of which, I suppose, fit into what we're, we're talking about, because uh, uh, if you don't care about something, then there will never be any agony in defeat, right? No, no. Okay. So you must be passionate about it, and one of the things that... Um, Often people have said about their adolescent children is that they try this and they try that and they never stick with anything. Who, who is this? Is that the children try this and try that and yeah. they don't stick with something? They okay, don't. yeah. Now, what I'm going to suggest is that trying things is very important trying a range of things. Because if you're going to be passionate about something, you, gotta, you won't know you gotta on, look around. You, until you, you find it. So you have to explore a bunch of things. But there's a codicil to that. Okay. And that is, suppose uh, your daughter wants to try martial arts. Okay. Okay. And you say, okay, the minimum that I can sign you up for is three months. And after a month, she comes to you and says, Dad, I don't like martial arts. People kick me. I don't like it. I want to quit. Your answer to her is, yes, you can quit two months from now. You have to stick with everything you've started. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you're a permissive parent. And permissive parents are not a good model. Because the kid gets everything they want with very little effort. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, good authoritarian parents are also not a very good model. If um, 
if you think of uh, some of the early uh, parenting experts, the early psychologists who said, uh, uh, shake hands with your children in the morning, pat them on the head if they have done well, never kiss them. If you have to kiss them on the forehead, uh, do it reluctantly. Uh, and uh, say goodnight to them from the door of your study. <laughs> okay. Uh, in other words, you know, ignore your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, not not a not a good way to raise children with resilience and grit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I see what you mean. And uh, you know, none of my children wanted to do martial arts. But they all were into uh, scary things at some point, uh, things that, uh, that make parents cringe. And yet, hey, sometimes as a parent, you just got to you know, suck yeah. it up and cringe and let your kid yeah. uh, ride uh, my, a horse. My, or... my kid is going to be on that five-foot horse going at, over that six-foot fence. Mm -hmm. uh, wait a minute, you could get killed doing that. She could get killed doing that. Yeah, my kid's going to uh, be... Uh, uh, Catcher in uh, uh, you know, hardball, uh, playing hardball. That was Alicia. Uh, hey, you know, I was a catcher. I know <laughs> the damage that can ensue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, in in uh, looking then at, at how to uh, foster grit, uh, you want to you know try and help your kid set realistic expectations and then follow through, right? And then follow through, and if the kid wants to quit. You have maybe a, um, you've signed up for a year of piano. I paid for a year of piano. You can't quit for a year. Yeah, you can quit. Sure, after the year. Uh huh. You know, but they, there are limits to when you can make uh, choices, and those limits involve kind of how long you've committed for. Okay. And you have to before. Uh, before your child launches into something, you have, you, to have negotiate. To, you have to be able to say, okay, now I can sign you up for three months or six months or a year. How strongly do you feel you want to do this? Do you want to put your toe in the water? Do you want to put your foot in the water? Do you want to jump in the water? <laughs> you know. And if they say, I want to jump in, which means a year's commitment, that's what they have to honor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, commit to what you can and stick with it. Yeah. Okay. I think that's probably what, uh, if we go back to that movie of True Grit, that's probably what John Wayne ended up doing. Committed to, to doing what he can and then have the feeling, if I remember correctly, that he stuck to it, right? Yeah. Okay. In fact, he went over what he agreed to, but that's another, okay. another question. So, one of the one of the questions that sometimes happens with uh, people when we talk about grit is they say, "Well, what about life work balance? Doesn't grit come at a cost?" Yeah, I would think it does, but it also comes at a with a reward too, right? Yeah. Um, so, how many hours are there in a week, Jim? How many hours in a week? Yeah. Uh, question. <laughs> 24 times 7. Yeah, 168. Thank you. Okay. So there's 168 hours in a week. When 
when you were uh, teaching full-time and researching, what do you think you spent for uh, hours in a week? Well, you know, university professors uh, only teach, you know, two or three hours a week, you know, so that would be two or three hours a week probably. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, not probably so, yeah. Okay, so realistically, uh, it's a seven-day week pretty much, um, and probably, I'm going to go with uh, uh, 70 hours, which would leave me, what, 80, 98 hours left, right? Yes. Yeah. So things. 70 hours a week. Uh, so people say, well, I work a 40-hour week. You, yeah. you teachers get all kinds of holidays. Well, yeah, we get holidays, quote-unquote, at Christmas, but most of us have to mark exams over the Christmas holidays or prepare for next semester's courses or both. Yeah, or we get summer vacations, like from the end of May until the beginning of September, but uh, guess what? We don't get paid. <laughs> That's when we begin to look for jobs painting houses. Yeah, so, you know, I, it's part of the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence. But the other thing is that most people who are passionate about what they do, even if their job is nominally a 40-hour week, end up working 60 to 70 hours minimum and a lot of people work more than that. Yeah, I can. I don't have the, the uh, figures, but I've heard that Jeff Bezos works what twenty-hour days. Yeah, ninety-hour uh, work week or hundred-hour work week. Some weeks. Mm-hmm. And Arietta uh, Huffington talked in a TED talk about her starting up Huffington Post and working twenty-hour days. Uh, for you know, weeks and even months on end, and remember what happened to her. You yeah, know, she crashed, fell, crashed, crashed and, and burned. Crashed and burned, yeah. So, the thing is that, uh, you know, teaching, research, writing, uh, working with students, these are all things that Jim and I know that have kept us working 70-hour weeks, uh, sometimes more. But the other thing is, we've been passionate, passionate about what we did, and working with students, by and large, is fun. By and large. By and large. Yeah, yeah. There, it, there are fun days, and there are some days that lack a bit, but it, by and large. By and large, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you get uh, a student who comes into your office and says, uh, you know, you, I... I got a, I got a D minus on this paper, and you say to them, "Well, yeah, I mean, pretty clearly you did all your studying in the bar, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, you can, I know you can get an A on this paper. You just have to prepare for it, you know, or." Yeah, it's, it's terrible writing. I expected much more of you. I know you can do better. Go away and rewrite it and bring it in again, and we'll talk about it. You know, and and those kind of things are fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You yeah. know. Uh, Especially if the student takes your advice. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's not fun if somebody comes in and says, 
my father is on the uh, blah blah of the university and uh, if I don't get an A in this course, somebody is going to suffer. <laughs> uh -huh. Or, I got a lousy grade on this paper because you're a lousy professor. <laughs> That's one of the things we don't like to hear either. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been going for about 32 minutes or so, and it's about the, the about what we do with our podcasts each week. But do you have a couple of uh, summary statements for us, Ralph? Well, um, yeah. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to give uh, our listeners an assignment. Okay. Um, curate your long-level professional goals um, so they align with a single top professional goal. Now, let's assume for a moment that right at, right at this point, you're still somewhere in the educational process and you don't have a professional goal. But you have an academic goal. So either one works. Okay. Um, write down your ultimate concern or your ultimate goal on a piece of paper. Give yourself a max of 10 words. Okay. And we're going to do something with that? Well, the listeners are going to do something with that because the chances are pretty good that they have never looked at any of their subsidiary goals and seen how they fit with their one overriding goal, or they may not have set up consciously a one overriding goal. Okay. So for me, a number of years ago, my one overriding goal was to get the doctorate from Rutgers University, right? Right. Okay, so that was it. But then if I had to think about it, there are several subservient, would that be the word? Some, uh, uh, some enabling goals. Enabling goals. That I would yeah. have to think about, like research methods and you know, understanding what memory is all about and things like that, right? Yeah, and okay. uh, I have to clearly be able to uh, understand statistics well enough to validate this that I'm saying statistically, because if it doesn't work with the stats, it doesn't work. Yeah, okay. All right. Things so, like that. So, so our <laughs> listeners are to come up with their superordinate goal, their overarching goal for their profession or their academic life or their life in general, right? In 10 words or less. 10 words or less. Okay. Now, um, I'll give you uh, one of my past goals. I was an indifferent student in uh, undergraduate learning. Uh, I had a lot of things that uh, I was really interested in. And in those courses, I did real well. And there were courses that I had to take that uh, I didn't do so well. So my GPA at the end of uh, my bachelor's degree was not exactly what you would consider a paragon of academic excellence. Well, Ralph, I do know this, in fact, that you were the person uh, with your GPA that made the other 90% 
uh, higher well, than the lower lowest ten percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They looked real good in comparison. <laughs> However, when I got into my master's program, uh, I set out very conscientiously at day one, going into my first class and saying, I am going to get straight A's in my master's. And I did. Wow. Um, because I said I was young, immature, uh, not stupid, but uh, not willing to put in the work. Put in the work. Uh, I had lots of other things that, you know, uh, my. Uh, my minor in young women was getting in the way of uh, my majors. Uh, so I said, I want to see how well I can do. Just, just to prove something, not to the world, not to anybody else, to myself. Mm -hmm. Can I graduate from this program with straight A's? And I did. And I think that was an example of... Uh, what Duckworth would call uh, ferocious focus and ferocious passion. Okay. Well, we've covered a lot here today, Ralph, and I never knew that you got through your graduate program with straight A's. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Okay. Actually, to be totally candid with both you and the, uh, the listeners, Jim, I got one A minus. Until next week, this is Jim and Ralph saying, saying keep your stick, stick on the ice because we're all in this together. together.